Welcome back to Range Anxiety. It's a Wednesday morning drive-along session. It's freezing cold here in South Australia, Adelaide. And we just, uh, winter's really starting to set in now. When I say freezing, it's my American uh, Epicast listeners would probably be having a laugh. You know, it's, uh, what, 8 degrees Celsius this morning, which for us is cold. You know, I had to turn on my heated seats early this morning and preconditioned the cabin in the SR3 Plus so that I didn't freeze my little butt off on the way to, or big butt off on the way to work. Yep, but today, our leading intro is from famous classic band, Deep Purple, and the track, for those of you that don't know it, is Space Truckin'. And today, it's all about trucking. So thank you, Deep Purple, for that wonderful lead-in. Now, when I say trucking, I don't mean big rigs. I don't mean semi-trailers, prime movers, Class C, or whatever the, my American uh, listeners like to call them. I'm talking about pickup trucks, American trucks, the good old boys. You know, the things that you and I can buy and drive on a car license. So yeah, that's what we're talking about today. And I do have a tiny bit of experience in the truck field. Um, I owned, I've owned one or two, one over the years. I had a fantastic uh, F-150 or was it F-100, like a late 70s thing, an XLT Um and it was a good thing, it had a 351 Cleveland in it, dirty old Clevo that had been built by someone to be like a tough rig and uh, had a three-speed Ford Auto in it. And it was a good thing. But most importantly, what that F100 had, apart from all of the fruit being an XLT, is it had a couple of different fueling options. It, it had a reasonable gasoline petrol tank size in it. I forget what they were, they're probably about 80 litres or something also had a propane or a gas um, tank in it as well that was a good solid 70 or 80 litres. So I had a really good sort of a, a range on that thing. I mean, it didn't go too well and I had to I had to dig with it a lot to make it go the way I wanted. You know, I got about 320 horsepower out of it in the end lookout um, by fitting a, a four barrel throttle body to it uh, that had four, four big injectors. Uh, those low pressure center fire style injectors that were around back in that era and I uh, put a Delco man engine management system on it um, and tuned it and you know made some right power out of it. it had a wind accelerator intake manifold on it I went single it's a single plane I reckon I went single plane on that thing and yeah it made some right power and because of the injection it it drove uh, it drove pretty well uh, I then changed out the gearbox in it and I put a four speed uh, Nissan electronic auto out of a 300ZX twin turbo in it so that it had that extra overdrive so that when you were on the freeway it had some pretty you know tall gearing to give it even better economy and thanks to uh, the late Delco man there for making up the bell housing adapter and I finally got it to work after uh, swapping in various different R31 Skyline transmission controllers and you know this was way back in the day I'm talking Oh, mid-90s, I got a list going. So, yeah, it was an injected truck with, uh, you know, the Nissan 4-speed auto. Um, pretty cool thing. And, you know, today I do a bit of work on trucks as well um, through my partnership in Powertech Tuning, one of our sister 
businesses as American truck and Aussie muscle car sales and we import new F-Series and new GMC trucks into Australia and you know we tune a lot of 17, 18, 19, 20 model F-Trucks and GMCs and yeah we get good results out of them and they're, they're big brutal things and even though I'm not much uh, one for punching a hole through into the atmosphere I, I do appreciate those things for what they are they are just big ballsy things you know they've obviously still got their design uh, idiosyncrasies like back seats that are pretty useless for something the size of a house um etc etc but they don't disturb me too much i, I kind of like what they are and what they represent and if you want to tow a big load in this country or indeed pretty much anywhere then these are the things that you need to have the towing capacity is awesome um, you know, they'll pull anything, they'll pull a side off your house, they got that much bloody talk, they're, they're great things. But that's what leads me into today's Epicast, because it seems the world has gotten mental over electric trucks. And personally, I think they're going to be pretty darned useless. That's right. Here I am saying it, that here's an application that I don't really think is suited to EVs. You know, you're talking about Mr. Number One EV fan and you know, EV sort of self-proclaimed expert here, but I can't see there being a good point for the trucks. Um, and the biggest problem of all is going to be a range anxiety. No, not the podcast, but the actual thing that sits in the back of people's minds and, and makes them too scared to drive long distances or do anything. Well, let's have a look at that for a moment, shall we? Back in the 90s, my... F100 could go about, oh, with all of its fuel and gas on board, uh, probably 500 miles, and you could fill it up pretty much anywhere. You know, there were plenty of gas stations around, petrol, gas was pretty cheap, no shortages or anything bad like that. So yeah, I could go a fair way in that thing, uh, due to its, you know, aftermarket gas, sort of gasification of the engine, and it was, yeah, it was a good thing. Fast forward to the stuff that's coming up now. You know, manufacturers have gone stir crazy trying to grab a slice of this electric truck market. And, you know, again, you can thank Big Daddy Elon for that with his Mars Rover Cybertruck thing that he, he came up with. Uh, crazy looking thing. And, yeah, I, I, you know, full disclosure, I've got one on order. I may never get it because we're in a right-hand drive country, but I've kind of put things in place there so that... I may be able to get a left-hand drive model very early through one of my contacts in the US, but we won't go too much into that uh, so that Tesla don't cancel my order and give it to someone more deserving. But because Tesla jumped on this bandwagon and, and came out that the Cybertruck release in 2019, you, you can bet that every single one of the big manufacturers in the truck market, and many that weren't even in the truck market at the time, saw this, hit the panic button and have gone absolutely stir-crazy putting these big trucks, electrified trucks, together. And it's such a big market. You know, the F-150 is, is the biggest selling rig in the world, I believe. Um, and, you know, it's such a big market and there's so much money involved. They kind of had to do it. But where does that leave you and I as the consumer? Now... We all know the Cybertruck concept's been around for a long time, but it actually hasn't come to market yet. And, you know, they're saying late 21. 
for build, but you know, I, I'd still uh, looking at the progress of, of, of Giga Austin, the factory in Texas, it's going to be building these things. It's still not complete yet. They're doing some works there now. And, and the factory is moving along at an extremely rapid rate. There are drones flying over it every day, taking videos and putting them up on YouTube and what various forums and what have you. But I still don't see them making trucks this year. Notice they didn't say delivery, they said making them, whether that's stamping out bits out of the Gigapress or, or whatever. Now, the reason I believe they haven't pushed this thing too hard and they're not making them, you see, Tesla have been in this game a long time making electric vehicles longer at mass scale than anybody else. Notice I said mass scale. Um, and I believe they reckon that they are battery constrained on this car. Let me explain. Late last year, or September last year, on battery day during the height of COVID, uh, Tesla came up with their new battery invention, the 4680 cell. And you know, it, it promises greater capacity, greater range, lower cost. And it's what's, what I believe, they didn't say it outright, but they believe it's what's needed to make the Cybertruck viable. Um, the pilot plant for that has only just come online to make those batteries in uh, Fremont, we believe. It's called the Roadrunner plant, and it makes the 4680 um, tabless cathode cells uh, that will you know, revolutionise the industry. But they're not in mass production, they're not in mass scale yet. And I don't believe Tesla will release a uh, Cybertruck using con their conventional battery design and battery chemistry because they simply won't get the range. That hasn't stopped, of course, everyone else jumping on board. And specifically, I'm talking about vehicles like the electric Hummer and the F-150 Lightning, which has just been released. Now, if you look, I've had plenty of people, that was a very slick release. Ford do very slick releases for vehicles. You know, they're, they're no beginner to making a motor car. That is for sure. They're no beginner to putting one out there in the media. But where they are a beginner of sorts is in understanding what the EV customer needs, uh, particularly the truck customer. Now, they've kind of got away with it with the uh, mucky Mustang. It kind of goes, okay, you know, it's a bit primeval in some departments, but it works and it drives along and it doesn't set any records for range or performance or stunning good looks that's for sure but it works and they're out there and they're delivering them and and you know Ford have done a thing the truck thing that they've got to do though is very very different and you'd think by building trucks for many years they realize this and they know this already and they know that the F-150 Lightning is going to be constrained in a lot of ways that didn't stop my inbox literally blowing up after the release last week because people were just you know they were enthralled and and romanced with with the style of release that Ford did and Ford were very clever because they did a, a very flashy release um, with some great people speaking I wasn't a big fan of the UAW sort of big unionised speak that took up a lot of the start of it, but I understand also why that had to be with, you know, Ford's industrial relations, yada, yada, yada. But what they didn't do was scrape too much of the icing away and talk about pure range. Now, I believe there's a 230 mile and a 300 mile battery version. Now, 
while the specs aren't very clear yet, the 230 mile version, simply in my opinion, doesn't have enough range to do the job. So you figure that, that's, you know, 310 or 20 kilometres, I'm not sure what the exact uh, actual range would be, but that's under perfect conditions, assuming that you're fully charged. So, let's take a practical example. Let's take a very practical example. Your average EV owner charges to about 80 or 90% when they can. No one ever really fills uh, the battery to 100% unless it's a newer type of chemistry, LFP, lithium phosphate, that encourages that kind of behavior. Older chemistry, NCM, nickel, cobalt, manganese, you know, wants you to charge to about 90% max for daily, and if you do charge to 100% for a trip, don't leave it sitting there for too long. It's not good for pack life or cell life to do that. And the last 10% charges that slowly, it's not worth doing half the time. Anyway, so let's just say Billy Bob wakes up in the morning, he's got his F-150 Lightning in the drive, ready to go out and do a day's work. Now, Billy Bob is a carpenter, and... You know, he's got a trailer on the back of his F-150 Lightning that weighs two and a half thousand or three thousand pounds, which is pretty light, 1,500 kilograms or so in metric speed. He's got 80% battery. He's going out to a work site, pretty grubby work site, and he's got to do some work with his power tools during the day. Sorry, everyone, I'm not using my indicators today uh, because I don't want them interfering with the intense sound quality coming from the tyres in this noisy bloody thing. Okay, so he's got, say, 180 miles of range. He's got 3,000 pounds on the back. He's got another 1,000 oh, pounds worth of tools and crap in the front, and there's his weight as well. Um, and let's say the work site's 50 miles away. Now, if it's a cold day, that 180 miles range or whatever he's got or 170 is going to turn into about 100 miles by the time he gets there. EVs use a lot of battery when they're cold, right? He's going to have 100 miles of range. Now, he's also then going to plug his power tools on when he gets there. And, you know, with a trailer on the back, you better bloody hope that it's not uphill because uphill kills EV range. Sure, you can regen some downhill and sure that is a nice tip and trick that they do but he's going to rock up there with 100 and you know 100 miles of range at best left in the tank in the battery and then he's going to power some tools off the thing and he's going to sit there and, and eat his lunch in it and with the air conditioning on or you know the heater on the heated seats on and he's going to power his tools off most of the day and he's going to get you know he's going to leave the site was 70 or 80, you know, 70 miles maybe of range left, 80 miles of range left. Now he's got that drive home as well. And this guy's going to get home sucking on fumes. So we're talking about one reasonable work site uh, towing a little bit of load, not anywhere near the vehicle's capacity. And we're going to be touch and go with range anxiety, getting back home to hopefully where you've installed a hard charger into your uh, garage, or you're not gonna be going anywhere, or you're gonna stop on your way home at a fast charger and put like 
40, 50 minutes of charge into it because they, they don't charge super fast. I think the F-150 Lightning's only rated at 175 kilowatts or something like that. I may be wrong. But it's not a super, you know, it's not a super duper 15, 20 minutes. She's done. Get it back on the road. So all of a sudden, this tradie that's bought the F-150 Lightning is going to have to really plan his moves and suffer from range anxiety. Which if he'd had a diesel truck, sure, he's not doing anything great for the atmosphere, but he could do that trip five times. You see what I mean? Without having to stop for a 10 minute fill up. Yeah, I don't know. Now, these are just guesstimate figures, so please, Mr. Ford, don't get upset with me. But we've got a bit of experience in this regard, you know, because we did a, a towing test with a Model X with a caravan on the back, Model X Tesla, some years ago for a caravan magazine and we saw how quickly towing a load or carrying a load depleted the battery pack life in that vehicle. It was, you know, it was barely staggering. It towed beautifully, you know, huge torque, bang, bang, up the road, away it went. But it ate, it actually ate the battery pretty fast. Now, not everyone of the Model X tows, that's understandable. Most of them run the kids to school and and have stupid number plates on them like you'd lose and, and race people, you know, that's kind of what Tesla owners do when they're not saving the planet. Um, but you can bet your bottom dollar that anyone that buys an electric pickup is going to load it up and want to use it as a work vehicle. And I don't think they're going to cut it. I don't think even the 300 mile range thing is going to cut it. And then they're talking about being able to plug it into your house and power your house for three days in the case of a a blackout or you know a brownout or a, or a power off situation that's happened in Texas. You better hope you don't have any big air conditioners or anything that draws any power there. And you better hope you, when you rock up, you got a full charge because the 230 mile version ain't going to do squat. It's going to power it for a few hours maybe before you're in critical sort of mass, depending on what state of charge you start with. So then you need to move to the 300 hour, uh, 300 mile battery, and that's kind of like, uh, as we say in Australia, because we're fairly crude and vulgar individuals, that's like pissing in the ocean to top it up. I don't think that's going to do a lot more either. So we're going to have these trucks coming out. Now the 300 mile version is an extra 10, 10 grand, I believe, I believe the configurator isn't really all of that clear, you know, when you're looking at it. But, you know, so you're looking at a 50,000 US truck, add some options, you know, you're looking at a $60,000 US truck. So the, the equivalent of, in Australian dollars, uh, 150 grand by the time, you know, 160, 70 or whatever, by the time you get it converted and pay all the fees and bring it in and ship it. And you're gonna be constrained. You're gonna be range anxious the whole time. Sure, it's fast and it's got four drive modes and it does, you know, 0 to 100 in the same time as a base Tesla Model 3. That's awesome. But that's not why the majority of people are buying these trucks. They're buying them as a workhorse. And I don't think we've hit the nail on the head there. And I think that's why we haven't seen Cybertruck rush to production yet because, you know, they're sort of promising on the big versions of 500 mile range, which is, I think, kind of what you need. Uh, you know, you need that big range, you need 800 Ks, so that when you are towing and you are getting depleted, um, that you do 
have the ability to do maybe two days worth of work worth of one day versus one day's worth of work before you have to run and visit a charger. I think that's really, really important that, that you know this is taken into consideration. And of course, the supercharger network will charge, I believe by the time Cybertruck's around, at about 350 kilowatts. So it'll charge fast. Uh, whether that'll be able to use the new uh, mega chargers that are being installed for the Tesla Semi, that'll charge in about five to 10 minutes. That, that remains to be seen. At the moment, the only mega chargers going in anywhere in the world are at Frito-Lay in the US for their Tesla upcoming Tesla semi fleet. So before you rush out and buy an electric truck, you, you've got to look at some of these facts. Now it's no secret that I love EVs and I'm being quite serious this morning, which is a bit, bit odd for me. Um, I love my EVs and uh, you've got to look at, at why I love them. Now one of the things they've got to be to work because high speeds and also deplete the batteries pretty fast is aerodynamic efficiency now pushing a truck through the air is going to be nowhere near as efficient as pushing a model 3 through the air small frontal area very slippery coefficient of drag you know it, it's very efficient when it comes to its use of power on the open road a big bluff fronted truck that's enormously heavy to start with and then with something on the back that cuts the air like pulling a house is not going to have any of these advantages. It's not going to have, you know, the, the, the low friction tyres, particularly if it's used off-road and it's got a, you know, different set of rubber on it. It's not going to have low friction tyres. It's not going to have all of the good things that we need. Yes, I'm not going to hit that truck, Mr. Tesla. You're okay. See, even it agrees with me. It's not going to have all those good things you need to go big distance. And this, therein lays problem 101, with electric trucks. It is essential, they are, they all are, apart from maybe Cybertruck, but let's face it, till we see them on the road, they're all vaporware anyway. anyway. Um, they are the anti-EV because they don't do anything that the EV ethos is all about. But what they do need, what they do need to do is fill a hole in the market. And this is gonna be their incredible catch 22. So my advice to anyone, anywhere, that's considering buying an electric truck pickup for trade use is to really sit back and watch what happens before you go and spend your hard-earned money. Because my opinion is that the first generation is gonna be near on useless. Anything that uses conventional as exists, as is on the market right now, battery tech is going to be severely range constrained and it's gonna to lead to a lot of these things on the second-hand market within six to 12 months, which means you'll be able to buy one cheap if that's what you want. So yeah, just be very, very careful. Now, where EVs excel isn't going real fast from a standing start, having roll-on acceleration that rips your eyelids off and does some really cool stuff like that. And, and we're about to see the culmination of that in the Plaid launch, which is only now a few days away. So there's EVs in application and there's EVs out of application. EVs in application is for aerodynamic sedans with good range and awesome performance that are designed to be used in an urban style environment. That's where they excel and that's where they're gonna own the market. 
towing heavy loads around and trying to be the pickup truck for everyone, I'm not sure whether that is a particularly good idea. Time will tell, but remember this, you heard it first here on Range Anxiety.